Open your Bibles, please, to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. You know the schedule for today, whether wise or not, and so my time is limited, and the content of the verses is not. There are 23 sins at the end of this passage that we will likely not have very much time to elaborate on. They've been elaborated on before, but I hope that you'll remember that there is a list there, and we don't want any part of that list. Because that list are the things, the actions of reprobate minds. Even though we know when we look at the list, we have certainly committed some of them, and some may have committed all of them. In Romans chapter 1, let's quickly get down to business. The Apostle Paul is writing this church in the shadow of the Roman Empire, in the capital of that empire that he has never visited yet. And he says in verse 14, I am debtor. His whole life was a debt to repay to the Lord Jesus Christ for what he had done against the kingdom of Christ and against the churches of Christ in his previous life as a persecutor of the church. I am debtor, both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. I will preach anywhere to any audience. So, as much as in me is, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. If I was in an intellectual, if I had an intellectual audience of the Greeks, I would not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. If I was with barbarians on the island of Melita, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Are you ashamed of the gospel of Christ? Let us never be ashamed. Paul was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, and here's why. It, that is the gospel message, reveals and conveys the power of God exerted in our salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so there is Paul's declaration before he begins two chapters of condemning first Gentiles and then Jews to the just judgment and wrath of God He begins by declaring there is salvation that has been wrought by the power of God and it is revealed through the gospel. The righteousness of God was secured by the Lord Jesus Christ and it's revealed by the gospel and it is revealed from faith to faith. If a person doesn't have faith put in them by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, in the act of regeneration, then they won't believe it. They'll think that it's foolishness. It will be a stumbling block to them, depending on which part of the human family they come from. And so that is how we began two Sundays ago. Remember, it took me 21 sermons to preach through this one chapter when I preached expositionally, phrase by phrase and word by word, through Romans chapter 1 a number of years ago. We're not doing that this time. We then went to verse 18, which is quite a contrast and a change. Because this begins two chapters of condemning men. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness 
and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. God's wrath is revealed in the Old Testament scriptures, in the New Testament scriptures, in his providence, in the great events that take place in life, and the small events in your own life that take place. There is a declaration made that God is in charge of this universe. And so the truth that men hold in unrighteousness is primarily the truth of creation. And we've already looked at that. So that the invisible things, God is an invisible spirit. The invisible things of God are clearly seen by the things that are made. So that men understand that there is a creator God. And that is the truth that they hold in unrighteousness. Though they know there is a creator God, they continue to live against him. And they design religion against him. So they worship and serve the creature more than the creator. They are not thankful for his providence in their lives. The Bible tells us that God has not left himself without a witness on earth. And that he sends his son and his reign filling our hearts with food and gladness. That feeling of warmth and happiness after a good meal is from God and is a testimony that God is good. But men do not give him thanks. They do not bow their heads and bless the bread that they break and the fillets that they carve with a steak knife. They don't do that. And so God is coming in wrathful judgment. As verse 18 tells us, we made it to verse 25 last Lord's Day. These men, though they know there is a creator, and though they know he has eternal power and Godhead, in verse 20, it says so, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. They worship and serve the creature, which is man, or they worship and serve images of things, less than man. In verse 23, they worship statues of birds, four-footed beasts, and creeping things. And so God's wrath is coming upon them. And one aspect of his wrath is to rewire them. And we saw his rewiring in verse 24, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. And they do that on a regular basis, and it is very dishonoring and very debasing to engage in sodomy. God gave them up to it through the lusts that were already in their hearts. If God were to let go of you or to let go of me, we have sufficient lusts in us to commit any sin. Verse 26, For this cause God gave them up into vile affections, which is what we're going to consider now. And verse 28 And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. And so the Bible tells us God is very fair, God is very clear that he has a reason for his wrath, and that we are the guilty parties, and he is the innocent party. He is the righteous party. That he revealed himself to men. He revealed himself kindly to men. He revealed himself powerfully to men in the creation. And yet they rebel against him. And so he does what 24 and 26 and 28 say that he does, which he already hinted at in verse 21, where it says, their foolish heart was darkened. 
They didn't darken their foolish hearts. Their foolish hearts were darkened. That's a passive voice verb, meaning that God, a power outside and above man, darkened their heart. Romans 1.26 For this cause God gave them up unto vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. The sovereign and terrible God explains why, for this cause. We don't have to wonder why he does it. It's fully explained in this passage. This passage, this chapter, Romans 1, though not written first by the Apostle Paul, is put first because it is such foundational theology for us to understand about God as we move forward through the other epistles. This is foundational material. He opens with that brief description of salvation, but then there's two chapters of condemnation for us to appreciate the salvation that follows in chapter 3 and verse 20 through chapter 8 and verse 39. Vile affections for this cause. I've already reviewed the causes. Sodomy originates with God. It it originates in another sense, in the hearts of men, because it's the lusts of sin. But it's God that turns men over to those lusts when at other times he restrains those lusts. Our God is a restrainer. And I want to make that clear because you're going to need it in a few verses. Surely the wrath of man shall praise thee, and the remainder of wrath thou shalt restrain. Psalm 76 and verse 10. This is a little bit off the subject, but let me briefly say this in hopefully just a few seconds. As a boy, being allowed into the big house in Ann Arbor, Michigan, the University of Michigan Collegiate Football Stadium, to see the 105,000 there then. They've added a few seats since then to hit 115. But allowed to go in there, I remember reasoning, if some murderer wants to do something, why don't they do something there? Where there's all those people crunched together in the big house, and they wouldn't be able to get out very quickly. Why not just fly a plane over it and drop some gas? fly a plane over it and drop some homemade bomb, fly a plane over it, because there's a God in heaven. There's a God in heaven. It's amazing how little they get to do. There's murderous hatred in people's hearts, but the Lord restrains it. Keep that in mind, because we're going to see that he gives men over because he's been holding back our natural depravity. And when I say we, I mean all of the human race. And he's let go more of it. This generation is worse than previous generations. Previous generations didn't even imagine the things that our generation is doing. Defending, promoting, and glorifying. Vile. God gave them up into vile affections. Despicable on moral grounds. That's what vile means. Deserving to be regarded with abhorrence or disgust. Characterized by baseness or depravity. God gave them up into vile affections. And we know what it is. It's sodomy. Because it's lesbianism in the next clause. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. God calls sodomy something different than gay. God calls it abuse of yourself with mankind in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 
and defiling yourself with mankind in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Now today, the Apostle Paul may not have even been able to imagine what we've got going on today in the way of vile affections. We've got transsexuals and transgenders, and they call it a marriage when a man becomes a woman and a woman becomes a man and they get married and they have a baby by the woman who's now a man. So now it's husbands that are mothers and it's wives that are fathers. It's vile. And God's turned them over to it. And it involves children. And husbands now give birth. Listen, brethren, when you look out and you see in the news these things happening, Scripture's being fulfilled before our very eyes. Romans 1 is being confirmed that it is true. God is not watching from a distance, as some little sweet girl that thought she was a Christian sang a few years ago. God is not watching from a distance. He's engaged right here and now. And He's giving men over to vile affections. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Now the word nature is used three times in rapid succession. You can see the two in the last half of verse 26. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And then verse 27, and likewise also the men leaving the natural use of the woman. There are things that God put in us that are natural. Certain geese and ducks think it's natural because God put it in them to take the summers at the Hudson Bay and then to fly south just a few miles to Brazil and to do that every year. And they do it right well because it's in their nature. Cats are not dogs because a cat nature is not a dog nature. Dogs will come when you ask them. Cats will never come when you ask them. Unless you have it on a leash. Nature. Nature. And God put a nature in men that they like the curvaceous body and all of its pigmented flesh and hair that God designed. And there's no reason to be ashamed of it. Adam and Eve had no clothes. God never intended for there to be clothes. Sin required clothes. And it's in, it's in man to look at a woman and to say there ought to be a fifth verse written for how great thou art. There's a God in heaven when a man looks at a woman. I think I'll stop right there. You know that I could go further. Their, their women change the natural use into that which is against nature. When you get an even in a place like this, even, for even, it is drawing an extreme example of the point that's being made. The point is, God gave them over to vile affections. Well, how bad was it? Well, even their women did it. See, women have more ordinary and natural inhibitions against sexual experimentation and degradation than men do, ordinarily. But not when God's at work. When God's at work, He rewires even women and overrides their inhibitions. 
He put those inhibitions in them, and for good cause, because the woman was made for the man, and not the man for the woman. But then he overrides it. Nature teaches until God rewires. For even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. The natural use of a woman's body is with a man. And that is in the ordinary relationship of marriage and in the marriage bed. They fit together very well. It is not convenient when you try to do it with the same sex, as they have found out, and all the inventions they've had to come up with to try to make it work. This is the truth of God's Word. This is my God. This is your God. This is the God of the Bible. And this is the Bible of that God. And he lays it out rather plainly. Now, these things are not taught rather plainly today anymore. And no one wants to accept this and believe this. But this is the old-time religion. And the old-time religion doesn't change. Because God's truth doesn't change. And when men try to change it, and when they turn the truth of God into a lie, this is what happens. Because verse 25 was... They change the truth of God into a lie. And so men today are trying to change it into a lie. There are so many churches and so many pastors and so many pulpits that preach that sodomy, what we call sodomy, what they call gay, we can call it gay, they never call it sodomy. Every state in America had laws against sodomy until just a few years ago, and some of them still have them on the books. They're just not enforced. Every state in America, every country in the world had ordinances against it. Because verse 32 says, who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. You need to look up. Go home and do a little research. And see, for the first time in the history of the world, a pastor can say, go home and do a little research. Because you all have an unlimited library at home underneath your mouse. Go do a little research on capital punishment in the history of the world and see what sins were punished with capital punishment in the history of the world. Because we're going to get to verse 32. Who, knowing the judgment of God, this is mankind, particularly Gentiles, who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. It's just that the world you live in today doesn't look like that because God's given them over to a different mindset. But in the past, they understood I mean, some of them were very creative about gay people, like burying them alive, slicing off their flesh just a little bit at a time, China, until 1905. You'll, we'll need this when we get to verse 32, so it wasn't really a rabbit. Verse 26, you understand it. The natural use of a woman's body is with a man. A woman wants to be held by a man in a marriage bed, and what results? Verse 27, And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, so they turn away from women, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. Likewise also the men, Following the extreme case of the women, the men do the same thing. The male sex of our race also chooses this abomination, which involves the most disgusting, revol repulsive, dishonoring of bodies between themselves. It's unbelievable. 
You can't even imagine it, but they embrace it and they engage promiscuously in it and they're rabid about it. Just like it says, they burned in their lust one toward another. This is what the Bible says. We're Bible Christians. If we're Bible Christians, then we need to be Christians that believe the Bible. And this is what the Bible says about what's going on around us. When men, made in God's image, humiliate themselves to serve as a woman to another man in sexual activity, they're sick. And where did it come from? God brought it. He brought it for a very specific and particular reason that they would dishonor themselves between themselves because it is incredibly dishonoring when a man becomes the passive recipient of another man. But that's because they dishonored the God of heaven. And when you dishonor the God of heaven, and I call on everyone that is hearing my voice, do not dishonor the God of heaven. He is able to give you over and turn you over and give you a reprobate mind. He is able to blind you in ways that you can't imagine. Let's humble ourselves before him and fall at his feet and worship him. Let's humble ourselves before every word of God, including the 23 sins that are coming up that you might think are innocent because they're natural and you've already committed them. But they're the ones that are not convenient. I want you to know that the words not convenient apply to the 23 sins coming up, not to sodomy. You say, didn't you see that before? Not as clearly as I do right now. Not as clearly as I do right now. Disobedience to parents is not convenient. It is an upsetting of the most glorious, perfect design that God had for the human family, and that was to arrange families. But it's dysfunctional. It's disruptive. It causes pain and trouble. Disobedience to parents. They leave the natural use of the woman. It takes a man less than one second at the sight of an attractive woman to think that that's an attractive woman. You're welcome. They burn in their lust, one toward another. Male sodomites do not have a take-it-or-leave-it attitude toward sex, but burn in desire. God made it that way. Their promiscuity is typically greater than ordinary male-female sexual promiscuity. All you got to do is a little research, which you probably shouldn't do. Men with men, working that which is unseemly. A man with a man, instead of a man with a woman. And they're working out something that is unseemly. It's ugly, it's inappropriate, it's improper, it's base, it's degrading. Men with men, working that which is unseemly. In 1976, I had just turned 19 and couldn't wait that summer for the Montreal Olympics to take place. And if we'll be honest, the greatest event in the Olympics is the decathlon, in which men compete against each other in 10 varied contests of strength, coordination, and speed, and endurance. And a man from America won that decathlon. And I remember later that year to see his picture on our breakfast table because he was on the Wheaties box. When you win the decathlon, you're the world's greatest athlete, period. There's no athlete in any sport that could compete with a decathlete in his 10 specialties. They pole vault, they high jump, they do hurdles, they shot putt, they throw the javelin, 
They run the 400, they run the 100, they run the 1500. It's an incredible display of athletic prowess. It's an incredible display of testosterone. It's an incredible display of the male body and how it can be trained to be fit to do all kinds of different things. You know, a sprinter like Usain Bolt only has one gift and it burns out in about 10 seconds. And that's to run 100 meters or 200. Let's give him 20 seconds because at 40, he'd fall dead of a heart attack. And that's why he never runs the 400. If you've ever listened to him, you know. And so he's called the world's fastest man. I'm dealing with the world's greatest athlete in 1976. His name was Bruce Jenner. Today, he's Caitlin Marie. And he's got a set. It's unbelievable. God will give them over to vile affections. Men with men working that which is unseemly. And receiving in themselves. Notice that is another passive voice verb construction. God is giving them something. Receiving in themselves that recompense of their error. They're being paid for an error they made. The error they made was idolatry. The error they made was evolution. The error they made was to change the truth of God into a lie. The error they made was to exalt man. The error they made was to ignore God. And so they receive a recompense of their error. And that recompense is God's payment for what they did. Consider how this perversity has grown in America. As creation and prayer were taken out of our schools. As creation and prayer and the Ten Commandments came out of our schools, it has grown in our nation in the lifetimes of the older quarter of this congregation. We've seen it happen because of the changes that our nation made against God, which was meat. The recompense of their error, what they've ended up doing is meat. It's fit and appropriate and right for what they did against God. And so when you see Bruce Jenner, the world's greatest athlete, in a dress, with a brassiere under it, with cleavage. It's God at work. And it's not seemly. It's the opposite of seemly. It's unseemly. Working in themselves that which was meat for their error. Men with men working that which is unseemly up there earlier in the verse. Now we come to verse 28. And even as God doesn't quit early, does he? He doesn't give you just a little bit of punishment for turning against him. He's the creator. We're the creature. I think this is perfectly fair and merciful compared to what they deserve. And when they're in hell, and when we see hell and the consequences of hell, we'll know that this is merciful. This is gentleness on the way to hell for them. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. Now I want you to notice again, verse 28, and even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, that's the reason. Verse 26, for this cause, and the cause is in verse 25, who worshiped and served the creature more than the creator. And verse 24, wherefore, tells you back in verse 23, they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like too corruptible man. So God is systematically, very clearly, explaining who he is and how he operates and what he will do to men. And we get to see it today and know that prophecy and theology 
is being fulfilled, and that is our God at work. Don't modify it. That is our God at work His way, and there is no other God. This is the creator God of the Bible. He created the man and the woman absolute perfect tens in the Garden of Eden, and they didn't have clothes, and they loved each other, and he introduced them to each other, and he married them, and God made man upright, as, Ecclesi- as Solomon wrote later in Ecclesiastes, but he has sought out many inventions. And the first invention was polygamy. In chapter 4 of Genesis, sexual inventions. And we only have to get to chapter 19 and 17 and 14, and we're reading about the city of Sodom and Gomorrah and the other cities of the plain that were given over to sodomy. That's why it's called sodomy. Sodomy is the sin of the Sodomites. Sodomy is the sin of the inhabitants of the city of Sodom. That's where it came from. Everyone in the world knows it. They just use it. It's like they all use a seven-day week. Do you know where the seven-day week came from? Our Bibles. Do you know that a seven-day week is not taught by the moon, the stars, or the sun? It's taught by our Bible. Gave them over to a reprobate mind. That's a mind that's rejected and condemned as worthless, inferior, or impure, depraved, degraded, morally corrupt. Reprobate's a bad word in the Bible. You don't want to be a reprobate, as Paul warned the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13.5, to examine themselves to make sure that they were not reprobates. The sins in the following list that we're going to look at are part of and flow from our depraved natures from Adam and from our conception. But God has further taken away understanding from men so that they are full of these sins with less restraint than they might have had otherwise. This is important for you to fully grasp this chapter because as you look at the list, you're going to say, well, that's always been around and that's always been around and I committed that one and Lord, forgive me, I committed that one too. I committed that one too. Three, I mean, I committed that one seven. But God has given them over to these things. I don't have time for a history lesson of America. You can go back and see what a family looked like in 1950. How long the boy's hair was. What the mother wore all day long. Who was in charge of the family? Did the wife obey the husband? Did the children obey the parents? You can go back to 1920, around World War, 19 teens, around World War I. See the different kind of character that there was in our nation then? Were there wild and rebellious people back then? Of course. But it wasn't a description of the general character of so many as we have it today in America. There's a difference. A change has taken place. Thanks to our public education system, thanks to our entertainment media, and thanks to the news media. They're always promoting the wrong agenda. I wish that you would go. I'm sorry that I didn't send it to you. It had an error in it, and I didn't want you to be confused. John MacArthur has a fantastic eight-minute clip that is out there, a video clip, in which he deals with BLM. And he says that he can't stand BLM because it is Romans 1 turned upside down. Because BLM stands for everything that Romans 1 is against. 
That's when he got on the horn. He didn't get on the horn. The president of our country got on the horn with him, and he told the president, I don't think you, ha you don't have anything to worry about from Bible Christians in America because the Bible tells us we have only one person we can vote for, and that's you. No Bible Christian can vote a Democrat because th their, their platform is Romans 1. God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. The things following are not convenient. They are dysfunctional. They are confusion, and there's 23 of them. Convenient means agreeing with or consonant to the nature or character of a thing in accordance with and keeping with, befitting, becoming, suitable, appropriate. But the things that follow are not suitable for good living in this world as God intended. God intended for His creation in this world to enjoy life. To have Adam and Eve running around in a garden, all they would have to do is dress it. Oh, I think we could just clip, clip this little limb here and make it look a little better. And they're running around in the nude. They're just having a blast. There's a tree of life over there in the, in the uh, garden that they can run. And, Eve, get some of this. We can keep this going forever. This vacation has no seven-day limit. Like our poor vacations. It was wonderful. We ruined it. And the things that were ruined was the relationship between the man and his wife, the relationship between the parents and the children, and everything got broken up. And so these are things not convenient. And I want you to appreciate this. I want us all as Christians, as Bible Christians in this church, to look at the list. I've only got a few minutes to look at the list. You can look at the list later and say, I don't want that in my home. I don't want that in my marriage. I don't want that in my head. I don't want that in my mouth. I don't want that in my heart. I want to hate all these things. Because if you, if you have taken any pleasure at all in me preaching boldly for verses 18 through 27, you make sure you apply verses 28 through 32 to you. Because I've got you. Which means God has you. And God has me. Not everyone has committed every crime here, but every person has committed several of them. Some have committed all of them, and all have considered committing all of them. And if you say, I've never thought about committing murder, oh, yes, you have. Somewhere between a thousand and eight million times. Because every time you called someone a name, even in here, without a justifiable cause before God, Jesus considered you guilty of the sixth commandment. That is taught in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. You may be reviled by the thought of sodomy, either socially or personally, but you can recognize universal condemnation and depravity of mankind by natural sins that we now look at. Since you got all worked up because you heard my loud voice about sins against nature, well then let's deal with some natural sins that God says are not convenient. Being filled. This is where you need to remember what I said about murder. Remember, I'm in Michigan Stadium as a teenager. And I'm looking around and I'm seeing, you know, if I pulled a trigger, I couldn't miss. I, I wasn't thinking that about myself. Oh, I wasn't thinking that about myself. I was just thinking, this is a dangerous place for somebody that really wanted to do some damage. Because you couldn't miss. I mean, it's just a wall of flesh. 
105,000 people crammed into a bowl. So keep that in mind. God's always been in the work of restraining. When you read about someone in a school, in a bar, in Vegas, unloading from a hotel window and shooting away and they shoot 200 rounds or whatever and and then you read the list of the people that were killed. God's always in absolute charge of every one of those bullets. Every single one of those bullets he's in charge of. But when a nation gets worse, he lets go more and more. We want God restraining in our lives. Being filled with all unrighteousness. That's doing what is wrong in God's sight. The goodness of man. Have you ever heard the expression, the goodness of man, that is totally contrary to what this passage is telling us? This passage is telling us the depravity of man, the wickedness of man, the unrighteousness of man. Being filled with all unrighteousness. Doing what is wrong in the sight of God. And his, by his definition, fornication is a large category of sexual sins between two people who are not married to each other, including adultery, sodomy, and foreplay. Compare the Bible terms filthiness, chambering, uncleanness, whoremonger, and adulterers. You can compare the Bible use in other places. The word is hardly used anymore, but casual sex is used. Specifically, it means sexual intimacy between unmarried persons, but generally it means any sexual sin, no matter the marital state of the parties. Fornication is big. Adultery is a part of it. Sodomy is a part of it. Uncleanness is a part of it. And fornication is the big umbrella term in the Bible. Is moderate or heavy foreplay fornication? Yes, for it is sexual intimacy. God is reserved for marriage. See the Ezekiel passages that are in my outline. The human race is condemned. God is serious about fornication. If a girl could not prove 20 years after she was married that she was a virgin the night she was married, she died. You say, well, how do you prove it 20 years later? Read the Bible. I'm a Bible Christian. Wickedness. Wicked, bad in moral character, disposition, or conduct. Inclined or addicted to willful wrongdoing. Practicing or disposed to practice evil. Morally depraved. This is America. We're seeing America being given over to a reprobate mind. God defined wickedness rather well when he killed the entire human family in Genesis chapters 6 through 9. For wickedness. The thoughts of their heart were only evil continually. God described the human family then, covetousness. Covetousness must be one of the most universal sins of all, but it's got to be considered in its nature and effects to fully expose its horrible evil in the sight of God and men. Covetousness is discontentment with what God has given you, which is rebellion and resentment against God. God's given you what you have. Thank Him for it. Covetousness is idolatry, for you make a God of a thing other than God, and it's called idolatry in the Bible. Covetousness can be hatred for resenting another, having something that you want. One of the Ten Commandments is against covetousness. Maliciousness. When you're malicious, you're just evil toward other people. And then it says, full of again. Look at verse 28. I mean, verse 29. Being filled at the beginning of the verse, then in the middle of verse, full of. This is God telling you, I mean, it'll be different than you ordinarily perceive and have discerned and have measured. The crime rate's going to go up. And the crime rate, not as what is called a crime by the world, but what I call crimes, it's going to go up. 
envy, malignant or hostile feelings toward another person, murder, literally and specifically, of course, but also I've already mentioned anger or name-calling without a cause, debate, that's arguing and wanting to fight and disagree and be a scorner and quarrel and hold grudges and, be, and have bitterness and contending and wrangling and striving. God's against all of that. You know, and all that does is rip up people's hearts and minds and the peace of a dinner table and the peace of a family and the peace of a marriage. Debate is horrible. Deceit, which is lying. Malignity is just having a bad, wicked, bitter nature toward other people. Whisperers, talking about people behind their backs, which is going to be called backbiting in the next word, in case you missed it. Whispering is telling things that are true, even about a person. But those things that you tell that are true, true doesn't make it right to tell them. When you tell a lie, it's called slander. When you tell a truth, it's called whispering, tail-bearing, and backbiting because you're demeaning their character and reputation. Just think how peaceful and wonderful the world could be if none of these sins were ever practiced. Backbiters, haters of God. You know, some people are haters of God by saying it. Others are haters of God by ignoring Him. Others are haters of God by their works. Despiteful, insulting, cruel, fierce toward other people. Proud, you know what it is. Boasters, don't boast. Boast in God. Make your boast in Him. Let us all boast about God. Inventors of evil things. Is that true today? Same-sex marriage opposite? Opposite, oh, it's just so twisted I can hardly say it. How a man becomes a woman and becomes the wife in a marriage, and on and on it goes. Inventors of evil things. Lots of evil things. Inflation, gas chambers, starvation, torture, child rights, self-love, national debt, no-fault divorce, idolatry, pagan religions, holy books, transgendering sex change surgeries, identifying as a cat, and sologamy. Please, somebody raise a hand. What is it, Pastor? Oh, you're cringing. <laughs> I'll raise it for me. Sologamy, self-marriage. It's gaining in popularity. I do. I do. I really do. Self-marriage. It's unbelievable. They're inventors of evil things. Disobedient to parents. Most nations in the history of the world had severe laws about child respect until now. God called for capital punishment for even setting light by your parents. Without understanding, God's offered so much knowledge, truth, and understanding in various ways through parents, through himself, through his scriptures. He expects you to be understanding before you make decisions. And so this is just bullying ahead. This is called being heady in 2 Timothy chapter 3 of just pushing ahead and impulsively making a decision without understanding. Covenant breakers. So it's divorces and not paying debts, bankruptcy filings, departing church members who don't keep their covenant that they made with us. Without natural affection, natural affection, abortion fits the bill, neglecting parents, neglecting children, mistreating animals, butcher dyke haircuts on women, long hair on men, it's without natural affection. Because nature teaches us those things, implacable. That means you can't be satisfied or pleased. No matter what a person does, you're just stubborn and rebellious, and it's all in your pride unmerciful. You don't show kindness and gentleness and forgiveness and forgetfulness to others. You know, this past week we had Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 12, which says, in addition to forgiving a person, you should forget the past. God forgets so much. It's going to come up in the second service and you better be thankful God forgets so much. He has selective memory when it comes to his elect. 
He only remembers the good. Oh, we're going to stand before him and he's going to remember good things that we did that we can't remember. Oh, Lord, that is grace. That is grace. It's glorious grace. Verse 32, I just went through 23 things. Hate those things. Root those things out of your life. Don't let your children have those things ever. Nip it in the bud. Nip it in the bud. It'll pop up really early because they're depraved from their mother's womb. Nip it. Here's a list of 23 things. Who? This is Gentiles and mankind. Who, knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. Not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. Though God has revealed himself as creator to men, though he has revealed his eternal power and Godhead, though they know these things in this long chapter are wrong and deserve death, they do them. They just go ahead and do them. Rebellion. Presumptuous sinning. And they take pleasure in those that do them. So the big people, like athletes and actors and politicians that do them, they take delight in that. They watch movies where these things are glorified. They have friends of people that do these things. Think about the different ways they take pleasure in people that do these things. They make them the friends, they watch them in entertainment, and they glory in them as athletes, actors, or politicians, or businessmen that do them. This is a condemnation of the human race. What do I have to say to you? Do you see the Lord Jesus Christ in this chapter? Especially the last four verses where you were condemned? We need 16 and 17. You should have seen him as standing in your place under the wrath of God to deliver you from all these sins. He took the wrath of God. It was revealed from heaven. The sun stopped shining. I'm probably worth two of the hours of the three hours of darkness and the rest of you the hour. I've got a couple brothers in here that will contest with me at break time and I enjoy that contest because we want to give God the glory. You should have seen the Lord Jesus Christ in the last four verses living for 33 and a half years on this earth and how many times did he enter the list of 23? Never. How many times did he get close? Never. The purpose for the chapter is to reduce Gentiles to total depravity and dependence on God for salvation. The gospel is the glorious message of God's power, verse 16, God's righteousness, verse 17, all secured by the Lord Jesus Christ and mercifully given to those that believe. May the Lord bless the preaching of his word.